CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, Benny J Show downloaders. Pat Whalen here, infrequent guest of the Ben Jarofsky Show and host of Yesterday's News. You know, even with Ben's amazing coverage of local and national events, it just feels like the news cycle happens faster and faster every week. That's why Dr. D and I started Yesterday's News. It's my new podcast where we talk about all the news of yesterday today. Check out our latest episode coming up after this Benny J bonus interview. We'll talk about Newt Gingrich on The View, Breitbart joining the new Facebook news platform, and AOC and Mark Zuckerberg's nationally televised flirt sesh. I hope to check it out. It's yesterday's news. And now your host, the long-awaited return, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Blame It on Dennis Tuesday. <laughs> And here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yeah, I did. Hey, was it? Two days ago. <laughs> over the weekend. Looking on to the week. I love that exchange. Just want to say this. Over the weekend, I saw the movie Parasite. It's a South Korean movie. It's got English subtitles. Folks, run, don't walk. What a great movie. It's funny. It's suspenseful. It's like Alfred Hitchcock. It's so awesome. Uh, and it's a great satire about the dog-eat-dog world of capitalism in the 21st century. I love run, dogs. Don't walk, okay? Don't walk. Run <laughs> to see Parasite. You know what? A lot of people haven't even heard about it. Yeah. I, I, just uh, Brian. I, I go, Brian. Cause Brian uh, Ernst, the smartest guy in the Sun-Times building, was just in here. And I say, hey, Brian, man, have you heard about Parasite? He, even Brian didn't I've never heard about it. No, nope, run, don't walk, because you've heard about it now. <laughs> I'll power walk. Anyway. I'll meet you in the middle. I woke up from seeing Parasite and talking about it endlessly this weekend to discover that the world was filled with news. D, I can barely keep up. My head is exploding. <laughs> First of all, the teacher strike is on day four. Last night at bowling, everybody, people get starting to get testy, D. Everyone's blaming me. Norm came up to me. Hey, tell your girl, Stacey Dates, Gates. Man, everybody's blaming. Stacey Davis Gates uh, is a regular on the show. It's true. And she has been ever since someone put a microphone in front of me. Someone thought that was a good idea, huh, D? Uh, and uh, they put a microphone in front of me. And about a month later, Stacey Davis Gates was a guest on my radio show. Where was that show, D? I can't remember. Yeah, let's not talk about yeah, it. Yeah, let's not talk about it. Anyway. They fired you. <laughs> How can anybody fire him? He's such a wonderful guy. Let's you know, not they, talk about it. They uh, let you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How can they let me go? I'm just a beautiful guy. Anyway. Let's not talk about it. You were, you were shooken up by it. <laughs> Let's say they go, hey, open doors. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, I'm all over that. I uh, just can't remember the name of the place. But anyway, Stacey Davis Gates has been coming on my show forever. And so now folks are starting to associate Stacey with this show. And they go, hey, Benny, get Stacey to end this strike. You know, like Stacey listens to me. Anyway, that was so a lot of pressure. People feeling a little testy. Even I'm getting uh, heat on it. Uh, who else is under pressure? How about Eddie Johnson, police chief Eddie Johnson, superintendent of police? Uh, he's in trouble. They found him slumped over his car driving. D. Uh, was he drinking? Uh, we don't know. Investigation to follow. They didn't do a test on him. Uh, but uh, this is going to be Inspector General um, uh, in investigation of this D. But this is the gives us the answer of the question: Who, uh, besides the school children of Chicago, is most appreciative of the teacher strike? Eddie Johnson. Why? Because if it wasn't for the teacher strike, it would be Eddie Gate all over the front pages of all. Well, that's the, a great point. You know, <laughs> Eddie Johnson's like, thank you, thank you, Stacy Davis Gates. By the way, there's one guy who's not mad at Stacy Davis Gates. I would have had an intro for it and everything. <laughs> Wait a minute, goofy <laughs> segment. It would have been goofy. Day one of Johnson Gate. But instead, <laughs> no one's talking about it because everybody's talking about the teacher strike. So Eddie Johnson, send some flowers to Stacy Davis Gates, would you? She's the best friend you got out there right now. How about Mayor Pete? Pete Gate, Mayor Pete, Mayor Buttigieg, uh, Dennis's favorite presidential candidate. How'd you know? 
I was going to reveal that today on the show. You should hear the things he says about Mayor Pete when we're not on the air anyway. I don't like him. Yeah, He's the pride and joy of South Bend, Indiana, and he's apparently the favorite of Dems everywhere, capital D Dems, uh, the, the ROM crowd. Uh, apparently, uh, Steve Patton, all right, follow me on this, folks. We'll be talking about this with um, uh, Maya later in the show. Steve Patton, who is ROM's Corporation Counsel, Mayor ROM, he was the chief lawyer for the city when the, the mayor was uh, about 2014, 2015. And he was the one, he was the lawyer who advised Rahm on what to do with the video showing uh, Jason Van Dyke shooting Laquan McDonald. And apparently it was his advice to fight uh, any attempt to publicize it and to pay the family $5 million to just go away. The family, the Laquan McDonald's family. Uh, so now, uh, since the uh, Cook County judge ordered the video released, Everybody realizes that the Mayor Rahm's administration was covering up a potential crime. No, let's take potential out of there. Uh, uh, a, a murder, a shooting. And uh, so who? someone's got to take the fall. It's Steve Patton. They, get, they blame the lawyer. So this is the lawyer, folks. Okay, this is not the guy who makes the decision. This is the, the guy who advises the mayor who makes the decision. It was Mayor Rahm's decision. Anyway, Steve Patton is now in uh, private practice. He's not with the city anymore. And he's a supporter of Mayor Pete, and it turns out he gave money at a fundraiser for Mayor Pete. The story broke in Associated Press. The Tribune followed up with a story. Greg Hines, can we give a shout out to Greg Hines? Hey, Greg. Greg Hines from Chicago Cranes. We like to tease him because he's not the world's greatest poker player. Okay, uh, we can get an interview if you just say don't. something nice about him. Yeah. All right, he's not the world's greatest poker player, but uh, he is pretty much of a bulldog reporter, and he came up with the story. He was the one who, uh, I first read it, that uh, Patton was part of a, a fundraising uh, fundraising affair for um, uh, Mayor Pete at some rich guy's house here in Chicago. Mayor Pete was in town and rich people love Mayor Pete and uh, so they were giving money to Mayor Pete and now Mayor Pete's so embarrassed he's giving the money back. But Dave, my question for you is this. Why is the lawyer the pariah? Meanwhile, Rom's on ABC giving his advice to Dems. Um, here's what you do. Uh, do what I did. Oh, great. Thank you, Mayor Rom. You had such great advice from you. Your lawyer is a pariah. Buttigieg just got to give the money back. But somehow or other, Mayor Rom is sailing. I don't get it, man. It sort of reminds me of Michael Cohen and Donald Trump. Cohen was the lawyer. He's in the federal pen. Donald Trump, meanwhile, is the president of the United States. How come they always make the lawyers the fault guys, huh, I'm sticking up for lawyers everywhere. You're welcome, Steve Patton. Anyway, what else? City Club Gate. Man, this blew my mind when I saw this story. And let's give a shout out to Dan Miopoulos, uh and Dave McKinney from WBEZ, your favorite radio station, D. Uh, to okay, so Mayor Pete's my favorite. <laughs> WBEZ is my favorite. And Loving You. Have you, been, have you gotten to my phone? Yeah. You know my life. Uh, and Don't Forget Loving You by Minnie Ripperton. But um, anyway, Dan Miopoulos, a great investigative reporter, and uh, Dave McKinney uh, did this, uh, uncovered the fact that the feds came a knocking. On the doors of the city club, right? Looking for documents related to their ongoing investigation of House Speaker Michael Madigan. Well, we think it's an ongoing investigation of House Speaker Michael Madigan. The feds haven't really said who they're investigating. We've been talking about this forever, D. They're investigating someone, and my bet is it's Michael Joseph Madigan. Big tuna. They already got Ed Burks, and now they're going after Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, and uh, somehow or other, they thought it was relevant to... Uh, uh, to, to get the documents from the city club. Now, look, folks, let me just explain this. The city club is like this, what's this, like goo-goo, good government type uh uh, the movers and shakers get together to discuss the issues of the day place. They, they, you're supposed to go there to talk about corruption as though it's ironic. Oh my God, what a city. We can't believe it's so corrupt. It turns out they're the focus of a corruption investigation. What has the world come to, D? The City Club. How corrupt can the city of Chicago be where the place people go to talk about corruption is itself a subject of corruption? Now, in defense of the City Club, they were just looking for documents related to, I don't know what. We, I'm not quite sure what they were looking for. It's just kind of embarrassing that the City Club is a subject or is a source for of this investigation. Let me just say this, one more thing I have to tell you. I was at the City Club. Was it about two months ago, D? Was it two months ago? Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I think about two or three months ago. I remember it was hot outside. It was hot. I didn't want to go. Why did I go? I was invited. I was going to tell them, no, I can't go because they were inviting me to speak with other couple other reporters around the time we start the show. So I said, I'm not going to go. 
Dr. D said, you're going. The conversation went like this. I don't want to go. Get over there and promote the show. So anyway, I went. Hold on, D. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. I'm apologizing to items. Oh, sorry about that piece of paper. I got a certificate for it right here. Okay. <laughs> hey, don't say don't give me anything when you go to the city club. City club is hey, Chicago. I got the camera on your show. Oh, there we go. City Club. It says, loving you because you're beautiful. Oh. And every day that you, who, oh, wow, they were quoting the Minnie Ripperton song. Uh, anyway, they give everybody that shows up there a certificate. All right. You didn't I, add the birds in the song this time. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, it says, caw, caw, caw. Oh, it's the birds in the City Club. It's embarrassing, man. The City Club is the subject. It's like the subject of the investigation. They got feds calling out documents. This is the place you go to talk about investigations of corruption. It's not a place where you, you do investigations of corruption. It's so embarrassing, man. There's no safe zones anymore. I, I, any day now, I expect to hear, open up in that studio. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea at the time, man. I'm sorry. I didn't know. What are they going to haul? They got all these tapes here. They're going to haul. Whoops. Better watch that drawer there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> we had a Bendrowski blooper there. Oh, my goodness. They're going to come in. They're going to take away my Mueller report. Let's take a look at that Mueller report. Man, there's no... There's no pl hey. I lost my little Bendrowski <laughs> sticker thing. Um... I think this is from the City Club. It is from the City yeah. Club. Oh, I got two things from the City Club. I got this beautiful certificate, caw, 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 and this name card. Anyway, what an embarrassment to the city of Chicago. How corrupt the place are we, where the place people go to talk about corruption is under investigation for corruption. They're look, taking documents out of the city club. Uh, by the way, Danny Mahopoulos will be here in this studio for a bonus interview. I cannot wait. He's a bulldog investigator reporter. He used to work for the Chicago Sun-Times. Now, as I said, he works for BEZ. He's one of my favorite reporters in the city of Chicago. He and Dave McKinney did a great job uh, on, on tracking that story. Kudos to both of them. By the way, Dave McKinney was on the show. Remember that? That day. Oh, yeah. He was talking about Bogoyevich tapes. Yeah, if you got some time this weekend, go back and listen to that one. That was you don't like, mind foul language. Yes. Not by Dave McKinney, but by Rod Blagojevich. Uh, that was a great show. Anyway, so I just just think of Chicago. It's got to be the most corrupt place in America. If even the safe zone for corruption is under investigation. Plenty of political talk ahead of us before we do any of that. The doctor with the news. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Let's unpack the Chicago and or Illinois news happening this up. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> they're here. Hold on. Who's at the door? Quick, hide the Mueller report. At the door. Oh, my God. I'm going to hide my city club certificate. <laughs> here. Don't let them see the city club certificate, huh? By the way, I think I'm probably on the Danny Solis tapes as well. Danny Solis was the, the, the sleazy alderman from the 25th Ward. who was uh, wearing the wire on Ed Burke. I probably called him one or time. Oh, man, D, I'm up to my eyeballs on this stuff. He was just the janitor, by the way. Oh, thank goodness. I thought it was the feds looking for the, our copy of the Mueller report. All right, let's begin with what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Mm -hmm. First up, it's the Illinois governor. And for the record, I love puppies. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> it's a tough stand. You know, he's taking the tough stand. I bet he's with the silent majority in that one, D. Everybody loves puppies. One Friday event listed for J.B. Pritzker, and that's a visit to Hope Church Springfield. Hope Church in Springfield. I can talk. And no, he's not there to pray for his popularity numbers to go up. We learned on Thursday that Pritzker's apparently the eighth most unpopular governor in the United States. He's not doing that, guys. He's attending the state police cadet class one. 129 graduation welcoming 57 cadets to the ranks of ISP and for those who may not be a Illinois political know-it-all ISP stands for Illinois State Police. Oh, I want to make sure that. we're all on board. Good job. The governor did provide us with an update on what we are here on the Bendrovsky show are calling City Club Gate. <laughs> At first, I felt bad about making you go, but man, we've gotten so much rich content from that. Isn't that right, Robert Mueller? That's correct. <laughs> no, plus we got the name card. The following comes from quite possibly the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. The one, the only Rich Miller of CapitalFacts.com. Governor J.B. Pritzker has put a hold on appearances by state officials at the City Club of Chicago, <laughs> directing subordinates and agencies that report to him them to not participate in panels sponsored by the prominent public affairs group. I don't know. That's overreach. That's the city club's fault that the feds came up. 
Knocking? Okay. <laughs> you can't go to the city club? That'd be like if uh, the library, uh, Chicago Public Library hit me. Oh, we did away with fines. That'd be like if I got a parking ticket, D, and then suddenly, like, the head of the Democratic Party said, nobody can go in the Ben Jarofsky show because he got a parking ticket. <laughs> Come on, it's not the city club's fault. That there you go. Now, that's the city club <laughs> member attitude I want to hear. Stick up for your city club. Well, okay, technically, I'm not certain I'm a member. Although, did I tell you? Oh, yes. Hold on. I didn't read this thing. I never read the... The little thing they gave me, the well, little read certificate. What it says. Read what it says. I, I, you know what? I apologize, D. Okay. Did you read this thing? No, I just assumed you're a member if they I, gave you the damn thing. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> the City Club of Chicago presents Ben Jarofsky, and they spell my name correctly, D, presents Ben Jarofsky with an honorary one-year membership for his public policy forum series marks, which have contributed to the making, which have contributed to making the City Club the premier public affairs forum in the state of Illinois. Hey, I'm a member. Way to go. Whoa, I'm a member of a club. I haven't been a member of a club since junior high when I was in a Y club. We were Horning Club. A what? <laughs> Horning. There was a football player for the Green Bay Packers. I don't, listen, I didn't name. It wasn't up to me, folks. If it was up to me, it would have been Sayers Club because I'm a Bears fan. But I joined the club after it was formed and they'd already named it for Paul Horning. Anyway, I haven't been in a club since 1968, so I'm a member of the City Club. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, wait, hold on. What? Does the White Sox fan club constitute a club? No. I believe it does. I guess so. The I word in the club's White. in there. <laughs> what are you talking about tonight? The first hint that Pritzker wanted to freeze relations with the club, a bipartisan group whose luncheon forums have included presidents, governors, mayors, and other dignitaries. Like Ben Jarofsky. Came earlier this week when an appearance by Illinois Tollway Executive Director Jose Alvarez was abruptly canceled. Yeah, I don't, no, I'm really, okay. I'm really trying to figure this out. Why can't you go to the city club? I mean, it's not like the club did anything wrong, right? I, I'm, I guess they just, they don't want anybody associated with anything that remotely resembles negative news. Is that it, D? I, I, I mean, it's not the club's fault, crying out loud. And where's Lori Life going to go for her luncheons now? That city club doesn't have those delicious luncheons. So, by the way, I didn't even eat my lunch. They gave me a lunch, I want to say this, but I was, you know, I had to speak. You know me, I don't like to eat before it. And hey, speaking of luncheons. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We have more updates on Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's ongoing negotiations with the Chicago Teachers Union. She loves luncheons, everybody. Over 20,000 CTU members gathered around City Hall Wednesday during Mayor Lightfoot's Wednesday budget speech in protest. After the budget address, Lightfoot made her way to the Chicago Sun-Times building, and sadly, she did not make a trip past the bathrooms into our <laughs> awesome studio. After the budget address, Lightfoot made her way to the Chicago Chicago Sun-Times building. She was in the editorial boardroom, and according to the Sun-Times, even after the mass protest outside City Hall, the mayor showed no signs of caving, saying, quote, what we've been very clear about is they've got to live within their means, whatever those means are, and they can't exceed that and look to the city to bail them out. And I think that message has been delivered loud and clear to Dr. Jackson and her team, Janice Jackson, CPS. Uh, she's the CPS president, is that right? Uh, no, Janice Jackson, CEO is what they call her. Oh, them okay, okay. Dr. Jackson and her team. And we also need the CTU to hear the same thing. This is not an unlimited pot of money to fund everything they want. Ben, what do you think of those comments from the mayor? Well, I think uh, what the mayor is doing there is what I said she was doing uh, earlier. And She's trying in the public's mind to distinguish uh, the city of Chicago and the budget that was that she just talked about yesterday uh, from the budget that affects the Chicago public schools. And she's trying to act as though that she is some kind of neutral observer in all this, as opposed uh, to the single most powerful and influential person in regards to the public schools. Re re again, folks, in 19 in the 1995, the state of Illinois passed a law that pretty much put the entire public school system of Chicago. Chicago under the control of the mayor. The mayor appoints the school board. The mayor names who the CEO is. Janice Jackson owes her job uh, to Lori Lightfoot. Uh, the um, the mayor also has power in negotiating with the union over what the union can strike over. And right now, technically, uh, since they're talking um, most vociferously about uh, hiring nurses and uh, hiring social workers and librarians, etc. and so forth, those are not strikeable issues. So ultimately, it would be the mayor who would go to court if it comes 
to this, and I hope it doesn't come to this, but I have a sense it will come to this. It would be the mayor who goes to court seeking an injunction from a judge to end the strike and, uh, and if necessary, fine the union for being on strike or possibly throwing union leaders into jail for being on strike. So to act as though the mayor is some kind of neutral observer uh, is a shell game. In addition, oh, we're going to hear a lot of talk about this. There's the old TIF program, which uh, diverts money from a public schools from the Chicago public schools uh, into bank accounts controlled by the mayor. So it's it's not exactly uh, an honest statement to say uh, that they can't look to the city to bail them out because the public schools of Chicago have effectively already ceded uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in property taxes to the TIF program, which the mayor controls. So it's like this, the public schools could say, hey, mayor, we gave you that money. We don't think it's a great idea to spend it on Lincoln Yards and the 78. Kick it back to us. So it's not completely honest to pretend as though uh, there's no connection between one and the other. All right, so we heard from the mayor there. It's now time for what's become one of my favorite things to do since the teacher strike started, and that's play press conference audio from CTU Vice President and our friend Stacy Davis-Gates. She held a press conference last night, gave everyone a bit of an update. We have the audio here. Shout out to the Chicago Teachers Union for the audio. Take it away. S-D-G. <laughs> Look, we are bargaining finally. After 10 months, we're passing proposals back and forth. Um, it's moving. The teacher's contract is really not that sexy, y'all. <laughs> it, it's not. It, it involves a lot of things that the average person will never understand about a teacher's day. And so those are the things that we're doing at the table right now. Look, it took 10 months to get here. We're here. It's taken a lot of time. It is a huge inconvenience for the entire city of Chicago. It is deeply frustrating to everyone on this side of the bargaining table, and we're finally bargaining. Look, the fact of the matter is, if the mayor gets out the way, if her lawyers at the table that she sent just recently get out the way, then we can actually get a deal. We are working with educators. You know, the folks, when, when there's momentum at the table, the educators are in charge of the table from our side and on the CPS side. We may not agree on everything, and yet there's still movement, energy, and momentum momentum. If her bargaining team, especially those who are educators on that team, are able to do the work, we can get a settlement done. All right, that's SDG, Stacey Davis-Gates. Yeah, we are big fans of Stacey Davis-Gates, but I also want to point out to in fairness and accuracy, I voted twice for Lori Lightfoot. That's All right. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. Uh, and uh, so I have never understood why Stacey Davis-Gates and Lori Lightfoot uh, could not have gotten together sometime soon after the April election and uh, works a lot of these things out. Why it took, what is it? I forget how many, I've lost track, 10 months, I can't remember, I think Stacy said it. Why it took so long, and it took a strike. It's the absolute worst place to try to settle these vexing problems that Chicago uh, faces. I, that was satire that began the show, uh, where I suggested oh. we just do away with the school year. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Altogether, but the reality is this: if you don't adequately fund your public schools, what is the point of public education? If you're just going to allow classrooms to remain crowded, if you're just not, you're not going to have nurses, you're not going to have librarians, you're not going to teach critical kids critical thinking skills, the Tribune's adv advice is just look it up on the computer. You don't need a librarian, you know. So if if that's where you're heading, then why even have public schools in the first place? I know that Stacey Davis Gates and Lori Lightfoot have more in common than, than they don't have in common, and I just don't understand why they couldn't have gotten together and worked a lot of this stuff out uh, in advance. Lori Lightfoot ran on many of the policies that the teachers are striking on. And Fran Spielman wrote a pretty uh, uh, revealing article in today's Sun-Times. I urge people to read it. It's a difference, she said, she noted, between being a candidate and being a mayor. Well, I would like for once, and I think a lot of people in this country, you talked, we talked earlier about how unpopular so many politicians are. How about a politician who do, does what he or sa she says she's going to do? I think one of the reasons why Bernie Sanders, and Miles is here, he's got his Bernie Sanders button on, not really, but metaphorically he does. Uh, one of the reasons that Bernie Sanders uh, and Donald Trump are popular with their followers is they more or less do what they say they're going to do. In Bernie Sanders' case, he's an uh, unapologetic supporter 
of health care for all and Donald uh, Trump's uh, situation. He's an unapologetic uh nut job but either way it seems to be what their supporters want so you know i wish that Lori lightfoot uh had worked on that uh in the same vein and so when she became mayor she had a couple of huge decisions she had to make number one was what she was going to do about that lincoln yards and uh, 78 tiff deals that's 2.3 billion dollars that the city has dedicated to developing upscale projects in already gentrifying neighborhoods she had a decision to make was she going to fight that was she going to resist that uh or was she just going to go along with it and just say hey there's nothing we could do about it now let's move on uh was she going to try to find the money to lower class size and hire nurses etc that's something she had decided now in the union's hand everybody knows i'm critical i thought they overplayed their hand in the election i thought they were way too critical of Lori Lightfoot. they demonized her uh i i thought even politically it just didn't make sense because i didn't see Lori Lightfoot losing to uh to tony preckwinkle so why would you pour so much good money, metaphorically speaking, here after bad? So I never understood that. And that probably, you know, Lori Lightfoot is a human being. So she probably carried a grudge against Stacey Davis Gates for all the things the Chicago Teachers Union said back during the campaign. And we are paying for it right now. So you have two powerful women uh, who have a lot of power. I, w- I wish they could get together and figure out some kind of accord this. And I think, at least if you listen to the rhetoric of Lori Lightfoot, she is in agreement with Stacey Davis Gates, at least when she was a candidate. She was essentially running on the Chicago Teacher Union platform. Right now joining us is Miles Cam Flassen. Mm-hmm. Said it right. The pride Flassen. and joy of Whitney Young High School. We have two public high school. We have two public school graduates coming in today, D. So show some respect, all right? <laughs> okay. They oh, learned right. from teachers. Chicago oh. Public Schools teachers taught Miles how to read, and they taught young Kenneth Davis how to read. So there you go. Miles, we're giving the updates on the uh, Chicago teacher strike here. So feel free to weigh in <laughs> with us. Where we're playing Stacy Davis Gates. I have one more clip of audio. I love this. No, I love when Stacey's like. We're not anywhere on enforcement language. And that's actually the problem because enforcement language is going to cost money. And the mayor's running around the city talking about you can't bail CPS out. A bailout Mm. for a smaller class size? Mm. Come on. That's not a bailout. That's an investment in the future of our country. That's right. You know, and so the the paradigm has to shift. She has to get out of the way of success. She has to get out of the way of a monumental legacy building contract that she will actually benefit from where she will be a hero like the mayor has an opportunity to make this work for herself by the way i love stacy davis gates uh press conference all the reporters assemble she's like come on bring it on bring it on you got a you call that a question that's not a question that she just bats it awake next question bring gotta love stacy davis i agree with everything she says of course she sounds like a column i wrote or have been writing for the last 20 years miles is not in his head but it's absolutely true lori lightfoot would be a hero to all the progressives and i would be leading the charge i'd be out there going i told you so because all the progressives gave me so much grief because i was not waving the flag for tony preckwinkle i'm still not waving the flag for tony preckwinkle all right but i i would love to be able to say lori lightfoot proved me right okay i voted for lori lightfoot not once but twice correct. thank you robert Mueller. uh and so uh i agree with stacy davis gage she could be a hero Hire the lower the class size, at least get some language in the contract uh, that would ramp us up. That's what they're talking about, folks. It's not literally talking about bringing in 500 nurses, although I could argue that we could use a whole bunch of nurses, but they're already talking about ramping up. So, a lot of this is a power struggle, D. You know, you know that. You know, like when Dennis and I are on the train going home, f- figuring things out, we have a power struggle. Oh, we're going to do it this way. No, uh, I, we're going to do it this way. Uh-uh. Oh, we God. always end up doing it his way. But uh, so it's, we're like, I'm like Lori Lightfoot and you're Stacey Davis Gates. And that ben, enough of the bonus interviews, all right? We've done three. That's a lot, all right? I want to go home. That's, yeah. a, that's a typical <laughs> that's a tip. Ben Jarofsky Come show. Come on, man. Argument. One more. I just met somebody in the hallway. He's a Bulls fan. Let's bring him in. CTU President Jesse Sharkey gave a press conference this morning. Here's the latest. And you know, while it's nowhere as near catchy, take it away, JS. <laughs> In the last couple of days, it's become apparent that the Chicago Teachers Union strike of 2019 is entering a new phase. 
It's a phase in which in order to achieve a fair settlement, the mayor of the city of Chicago is going to have to bring more resources to the table. We've been asked by our members and by the people of the city of Chicago to address critical shortcomings and problems in our public schools. We're trying to achieve a negotiation on class size, on staffing, and on pay and benefits that allows us to hold our heads high and say that our public schools are delivering what they need to deliver for the children of Chicago. We're trying to put together a puzzle in order to end this strike. But we don't have enough pieces on the table in order to complete the puzzle. The mayor still has a handful of pieces in her pocket. Until she takes the pieces of the puzzle out of her pocket and puts them on the table, we're not going to solve the puzzle. We're not going to complete the picture. And those pieces amount to resources. So for example, for class size, the mayor said she wants to address class size. That's great. But it's not adequate what she's doing so far. $700,000 for all the high schools in the city of Chicago. It's not going to get the job done. It, it, there's over, almost 100 high schools. Um, a class size provisions that don't include enforcement. Um, we can get this deal done if there's a commitment of some resources from the mayor. So yes, our Chicago teachers are still on strike, and no, they have not worked out a deal. So yes, school was canceled today, and yes, we are now in day seven of the Chicago teacher strike. I have no audio to play from the mayor this afternoon, but Lori Lightfoot did write another letter. She's getting, oh, she likes nice. writing these letters. She's like uh, Joe Cocker. I, I expect you to have a letter soon from the mayor, Ben. Did you get that Joe Cocker reference? No, I didn't. There was a song called The Letter, and it was sung by Joe Cocker. You there know, you millennials, go. we really love that you listen, <laughs> and we want to keep you as listeners. Hang tight, don't tune out after that Joe Cocker reference. Oh my. Oh my. But actually, it was a cover of a song by the bot box tops, but continue. All right, but uh, Lori Lightfoot did write another letter. This one was in response to SEIU Local 73 President Diane Palmer, who encouraged the mayor to, quote, participate directly at the negotiation table with the CTU. In the letter, Lightfoot said, quote, I'm happy to participate directly in negotiations at any time that it would be helpful, but I will not be drawn into a political stunt. I will remind <laughs> you it was you. Who left the table? <laughs> Not CPS. Yeah. If you really want me at negotiations, then you have to demonstrate first a willingness to negotiate in good faith and that you are willing to reach a resolution based on the merits of your members' needs. Yeah, well, these are all political stunts on both sides. Let's face it, folks. What they do is they selectively... It's, we're in the mid, midst of a very contentious battle. So each side will release letters, documents, whatever they think will advance their cause uh, with the larger public, which remains silent. We don't know which way they're going. According to the Tribune, there's a silent majority in favor of bashing the teachers because they're afraid of teacher bullies, which are shaking down kids all over the city. Hey, give me a quarter, kid. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, but this, so that's what they're they're both doing. And, you know, when they, whenever they whenever they get an advantage, whenever they think they have an advantage, they'll release a letter, you know, to their favorite reporters. That's kind of how the game is played. D. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of political stunts being played uh, by both sides as they try to manipulate the situation to get the be the most support they can. Uh, for their point of view. And one more time, the point of view of the teachers, more nurses, counselors, and librarians. The point of view of everybody else, harumph! <laughs> I kind of boiled it down to, that, to, to my own world view of that one, D. But hey, aside from that surly letter, things seem to be looking up, all right? I heard that. Some are even calling for school to be back in session on Monday, and the teachers' union reported Thursday night that negotiators made progress toward a resolution. Oh, that's good news. CTU President Jesse Sharkey gave another press conference this morning. Today, he was at Lane Tech High School off of Addison and Western. We've been playing clips of Sharkey all week, and it's become apparent. Now, I know it's Jesse Sharkey and the Teachers Union versus the city of Chicago, but every time he gives one of these press conferences, it seems to be Jesse Sharkey versus <laughs> the traffic. I, um, <laughs> right now, um, <laughs> he's trying. All right, folks, let me just say this. 
when <laughs> Jesse Sharkey, uh, the head of the, the head of the Chicago Teachers Union, they, they, he likes those uh, sidewalk press conferences outside of schools where the teachers are picketing. So clearly, when Jesse Sharkey is talking to the media who have assembled, there's a bunch of teachers standing around wearing red. Correct, D? Mm-hmm. And uh, what has been happening throughout the city? Apparently, the Tribune editorial board got it wrong. The silent majority is not so silent. Whenever you know when when people driving by see striking teachers they honk their horn it's a sign of support poor dennis hasn't gotten sleep in about a week i know because he lives across the street from a school so every morning at when the teachers assemble at like six in the morning well there was wednesday when i'm like oh i guess the strike's over and let me turn the news on no they were all headed downtown that was the one day i was like ah yeah sleep in <laughs> sleeping in by the way dennis likes to pretend he gets up all, all early in the morning you know uh, you know from up uh, like get up with the the rooster <laughs> turns out he gets up about eight o'clock in the morning man yeah, like 7 30 oh okay mr mr so Sometimes eight. Oh, okay, up, up with, up with the farmers. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, you know, I wonder if uh, when an editorial writer for the Chicago Tribune uh, walks down the street, do the cars go, horns go? Aah! I'm sticking with you, John Cass. Aah! Yeah. That's, that sounds like a typical morning for John Cass. <laughs> oh, hello. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sticking it to those teachers. Oh, you're welcome. But thanks for standing up to those bullies. Oh, no, you don't have to thank me. Anyway. Hi. Um, <laughs> right now. Um, oh, poor Sharky. All right, but he had some stuff to say uh, here. Let's okay. hear what the man Let's had to say. <laughs> Shout out to ABC7 Chicago for the audio. We just got a short announcement today, really which is that we, we had some good progress at the bargaining table yesterday. I'm not going to go into details, but I will say that uh, we had conversations that hopefully <laughs> could give us a path to a settlement. At the same time, though, I do need everyone to know that the result of our Sharky. union, Focus. the public, the parents, and the city of Chicago is undiminished. <laughs> we intend to achieve better schools in the city of Chicago. We intend to ensure that we have enough services to support our students. We have classes that are small enough that we can give effective attention to every student that we teach. And we ensure, we intend to ensure that the conditions, our working conditions, which are also student learning conditions, we want those conditions to improve. That's what we intend to achieve. All right, I'm with them 100%. Yeah, let's get more resources into the public schools of Chicago. Let's get more nurses and librarians and social workers and counselors. I tell you what, when this deal is cut, if it is cut, I hope it's cut, please cut the deal. All right? Uh, Lori Lightfoot will suddenly be a hero to many of the people who are denouncing her. And she, she will be a villain to the Chicago Tribune's editorial board. Harumph! They gave more money to the schools. That means that there's less money for the Amazons of the world. What kind of world is this? And we're spending money on schools for poor kids. We should be spending money on rich people, like the ones that support us. So anyway, yeah, she'll be a hero to the people. Lori Lightfoot, if if she settles this teacher strike by hiring more nurses and social workers, she'll be a hero to many of the people right now, like myself, uh, who are critical of her. And she will be a villain to many of the people, like the writers at the Chicago Tribune, who are holding her, calling on her, begging for her, pleading for her, cut resources to the public schools, because that's the secret of building a better city, a fairer city, a safer city, is to make sure that the poor get even less than they already get, and so that there's more money to give to the wealthy. That's the secret to a, a really fair, safe city. Anyway, uh, uh, Jesse, I mean, those horns will be honking for Lori if she cuts a deal with the teachers. How optimistic are you after last night's negotiations? Can you give people an idea of how much I'll just say we're working on it and that uh, we have an opportunity to get a fair settlement and we're gonna we're gonna take that seriously uh, and work hard I um Focus, right Focus. now, um, like I said, we, we had progress. We're, I'm not going to say more than that. We're, we're, at, we're at a sensitive juncture right now, um, and I'm optimistic. So I'm going to leave it at that. All right. He's going to leave it at that, okay? Uh, I think the questioner was asking what about the poor families uh, that wanted their kids uh, in the public schools. 
And uh, yeah, so let's hope the strike comes to an end uh, soon. But let's, folks, let me just say this. Let's hope there's something meaningful that comes out of the strike, like more uh, uh, nurses and librarians, et cetera, so that the kids have a better school to return to. How about that? I know everybody says, oh, it's so important that kids be in school. But my hunch is a lot of people just say that because they view the schools as sort of like daycare centers where you just drop the kids. You don't have to worry about them uh, from the, what, hours of nine to three or whatever it is. So let's hope that uh, the city of Chicago can find some money. We're not too broke uh, to improve our public schools so that they're even better when the kids return to them. How about that, D? Jesse, what are your thoughts on the Tribune editorial that sent the overpaid I mean, the Tribune has been terrible on <laughs> every question around, you know, they, you know, they basically, um, um, taken an anti-CTU position for the last 25 years, and I don't see why they should stop now. Um, it doesn't have much credibility with me, what the Tribune says. Uh, I have to correct Jesse Sharkey. 25 years? I'm older than Jesse Sharkey. Uh, my mom was a public school teacher. She went on strike many times. Chicago Tribune never, ever, ever stood with the Chicago teachers and the Chicago Teachers Union when it came to negotiations with the board or the mayor. And this goes back to the 60s. So it's a lot more than 25 years. But Jesse's young, D. You know, he's like one of these, what, what is the generation above millennial? Romana's in the studio. What's your generation? He's what? Gen X. Yeah, he's Gen a Generation X. Xer. He thinks the world began when he came. He didn't realize there was something called the 60s. <laughs> Actually, Generation Xers are always ignored, so. Oh, now here we go. Romana's going to start weeping for Generation X. There's been a lot of articles about this, so I'm not the only one who thinks All right. Well, uh, anyway, Jesse Sharkey, uh, yeah. It it goes back, Jesse, way beyond 25 years ago. So there you are. That's the latest going on uh, with the Chicago Teachers Union Day 7. And we view that this is a civil rights (laughs) issue. You know, we think that the conditions in our schools... We think that support for our students that need trauma support, social workers, psychologists, counselors. Um, we think that adequate services for special education. I agree with everything he said, but it's hard to get a word in edgewise, Jesse, all those horns honking of support. And that's really what it comes down to. This is why the Chicago Tribune's editorial board is so mad. Because when you're an editorial board writer for the Chicago Tribune and you walk down the street, not one car honks its horn in a side of support for you. Hey, podcast fans, I'm assuming that's you because you're listening to this podcast. The Chicago Sun-Times political web series, The France Spielman Show is now available as a podcast. The Fran Spielman Show features weekly interviews with lawmakers, journalists, and others who are shaping our city. Fran, you know this. She holds nothing back. She goes deep into City Hall to bring you the real scoop on Chicago politics. And right now, you can listen to her show on all. That's A-L-L, all of your favorite podcast apps. Head to City Hall with Fran and get even more great political coverage from the Chicago Sun-Times. Listen and subscribe now at suntimes.com forward slash Fran, F-R-A-N hyphen show. That's suntimes.com forward slash Fran hyphen show. But he tweeted yesterday on Saturday, the fake Washington Post keeps doing phony stories with zero sources that I am concerned with the impeachment scam. I am not because I did nothing wrong. You know, that is uh, a denial right out of my playbook when I was five years old. When the cookies went missing out the jar, my mom said, are you nervous that I'm about to catch you having eaten those cookies? And I said, I am not because I did nothing wrong. It's a good defense. Yeah, no, that happened. Call my mom. Ask her. Look her up on, uh, <laughs> on Instagram. Pre-recorded from an undisclosed studio in an undisclosed location, this is Yesterday's News with Pat Whalen. Greetings and salutations, listeners. I'm Pat Whalen, and this is Yesterday's News for Sunday, October 27th. Happy, happy Halloween. Happy spoopy season to you, listeners. Uh, I, I hope you've been having a great week. You know, news aside, it's my favorite time of year. Happy fall. Uh, you know, the leaves are falling. The teachers are on strike. 
It's autumn in Chicago. Uh, I'm just sipping on some of this fantastic coffee here at the Undisclosed Studio at the Undisclosed Location in downtown Chicago, and we're getting ready to, to, to lay that news on you. Uh, I'm going to need a little sugar or caffeine to get to get through this next one because it has been a week. In case you haven't noticed, Donald Trump is still the president, so he had some outrageous things to say this week. Uh, obviously, this Ukraine situation is still going on. Uh, lots of different ways to say you know how this happened and what we're focused on. But basically, corruption allegations against the president of the United States, an, an impeachable offense even. Uh, that That's the level of corruption that we're talking about with the president of Ukraine. On a phone call, he pressured him to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. And this week, he likened his treatment, which is, again, a constitutionally mandated impeachment inquiry. He, 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 uh, he said it was a lynching. A lynching. Um, for those of you not familiar, lynching is something that happened a lot in this country uh, for many hundreds of years. Um, almost exclusively to black people. I say almost uh, because a lot of white nationalist apologists will say, oh, well, it happened to white people too, you know. And yeah, I, I'm kind of speechless. I don't really know what, what, what to say about that. But d- don't worry, because our good friend and neighbor, Newt Gingrich, went on The View to clear all this up. So first of all, he was one of many people saying that the president did nothing wrong here. I think we can all agree it was a bad choice of words. Lindsey Graham obviously came out and said, yeah, that was a poor choice of words. But he's right. It's a political lynching. So it's a political lynching now, not a regular lynching. Anyway, uh, let me take my foot out of my mouth and let Newt Gingrich put his in his. Uh, This is Newt Gingrich on The View talking to uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who you will hear first. And she asks him a question, and and he responds. It's a word that nobody you know, wants to hear. This was not a good choice of words for him, do you think? Well, it's exactly the same term that uh, Clarence Thomas used yeah. when he said he was guilty of a white-collar lynching. Mm. Right, but when, the was it here. right then? Oh, I think it was right then, sure. Mm. I mean, I think, mm. now look, put yourself, and this is really a big leap, but put yourself for a second in Trump's shoes. Okay, you got beaten up for over that two years. You got beaten up for over two years with the Mueller oh, thing. I don't know what it is about uh, talking about conservatives with big heads, but a couple weeks ago we talked about Seb Gorka. Now we're talking about Newt Gingrich. Wow. Yeah. So he went on the View and was asked. I mean, is that a good choice of words to say that that the president is being lynched? Uh, and he said, well, you know, Clarence Thomas said it, and so who cares? I think there's a subtle difference between Clarence Thomas and Donald Trump. I can't quite remember what it is. Uh, but then he went so far to say to Whoopi Goldberg, well, try to put yourself in his shoes. So he's asked about, you know, is lynching the right word to use? And then he says, well, I'm an old white guy. And listen, black woman, uh, try to put yourself in the shoes of the president of the United States. Uh, just ridiculous. You know, we, we just like to talk about things that happened this week. And that did uh, another word that came out. You know, we're, we're kind of we're, we're we're getting to the, the crux of yesterday's news this week. It has a lot to do with Mark Zuckerberg sitting in Congress talking about Facebook and how they're handling the new Facebook news feature. Uh, but I want to talk an, about another word that was used by the president this week, and that's scum. Human scum. This is how he described uh, people who are Republicans and don't support him. I believe. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just my, my question kind of is how, how far is this going to go? You know, it's OK to say uh, that the president's being lynched because of a constitutionally mandated impeachment inquiry and uh, the people who don't support him are human scum. I, I just want where is the bottom kind of would be my question. And uh, no indication of where the bottom will be from uh, Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham. First of all, could you have told me what the name of the press secretary was if I hadn't just said it? It's Stephanie Grisham. And uh, if you thought that she's just a Fox News contributor, no, she's technically the press secretary for the White House. And uh, she was asked uh, on Fox and Friends about uh, the human scum comment. And, And again, context, the president tweeted that Republicans who don't support him in his fight against this constitutionally mandated impeachment inquiry, are human scum. What do you think, Stephanie? A couple of things. Uh, the president yesterday called the never Trumpers uh, scum. Uh, does he regret that? 
No, no, he shouldn't. Uh, the people who are against him and who have been against him and working against him since the day they took office are just that. It is horrible that people are working against a president who's delivering results for this country and has been since day one. And the fact that people continue to try to negate anything that he's doing and take away from the good work he's doing on behalf of the American people, they deserve strong language like that. Just, they deserve it, yeah. So when you look at all the good work that Donald Trump has been doing since day one for this country, you know, anyone who would talk smack or not support him in any way, you know, they really deserve to be called human scum. So I ask you, listener, first of all, thanks for joining us for yesterday's news. But I want to ask you to comment on our post. We're at News of Yesterday online. Search us out on all your favorite social media channels. Uh, what do you think? Where, where is the bottom? Is it okay to say the president's being lynched? Is it okay to say the people that don't support him are human scum? Is it not okay? Uh, let, let me know what you think either way. We're not biased. Um, so there's more news. You know, it, it happened. You know, that's the thing about news. It's happening all the time. I guarantee you like five things happened news-wise since I started this podcast, since you started listening. Um, and, and so it's really important to read and like follow the news, right? I, I look at Twitter a lot. I also like newspapers. Uh, but unfortunately for people in federal positions in Washington, D.C., they will no longer get that free copy of the WAPO or the NYT because Donald Trump has decreed that the Washington Post and the New York Times will no longer be carried by federal agencies. Uh, Trump has ordered all federal agencies to cancel the New York Times and Washington Post subscriptions. This quote from the Wall Street Journal, who I guess was not canceled. The White House is planning to instruct federal agencies to not renew their subscriptions to the New York Times and the Washington Post, administration officials said, escalating President Trump's attacks on the media outlets. Quote, not renewing subscriptions across all federal agencies will be a significant cost saving. Hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars will be saved. End quote. That from White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham. Fancy meeting you here. Yeah, so she is, well, I mean, she's the press secretary, so of course she'd be the mouthpiece. But I just thought it was interesting that President Trump would cancel all these newspaper subscriptions because he tweeted yesterday, that was on Thursday. He said, no more federal subscriptions to these newspapers. The failing New York Times... We don't read it no more. But he tweeted yesterday, on Saturday, the fake Washington Post keeps doing phony stories with zero sources that I am concerned with the impeachment scam. I am not because I did nothing wrong. It is the other side, including Schiff and his made-up story, that are concerned, which hunt continues. So, you know, that is uh, a denial right out of my playbook when I was five years old. When the cookies went missing out the jar, my mom said, are you nervous that I'm about to catch you having eaten those cookies? And I said, I am not because I did nothing wrong. It's a good defense. Yeah, no, that happened. Call my mom, ask her, look her up on, uh, <laughs> on Instagram, right after you follow us on news of yesterday on Instagram news of yesterday. Uh, we're we're going to be do, do, doing daily updates because, you know, we can't um, keep track of everything all week long and then encapsulate it all into a, uh, a quick podcast for you. But again, this week, we're trying to focus on news. What is news? Where does it come from? How do you qualify it? Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg talking about Facebook news in front of Congress this week. And again, we'll get to that in a moment. But first, a little story to contextualize what it is that I'm, I'm trying to get you to focus on this week. <laughs> focus, focus. It's hard. You know, these news cycles, they're they're fast. And as you can tell, we have good coffee here at the undisclosed studio at the undisclosed location so i am flying but i have laser focus here and so this story that i want to give you is the headline dozens of new websites appear to be michigan local news outlets but with a political bent um it's actually a pretty interesting story from the lansing state journal um to encapsulate this story for you basically there are private companies that are putting political talk talking points onto websites that are made to look like newspapers. So here's an example. There's a, a gentleman was uh, scrolling through his Facebook feed and he saw a story was promoted. Not recognizing the outlet, he clicked through to discover a vast network of related outlets made to sound like local newspapers. Uh, the story that he had read and many others on Lansing's Sun appeared to be right-leaning. Uh, said Grossman, who leads the Research Institute and its bipartisan political leadership training program. Political information outlets aren't new, he said, but presenting them as non-biased local news sources is. So it's this guy's job in working at a bipartisan uh, political leadership training program 
to kind of assess the way that we can depolarize the, the political news system. And uh, he says that this is a very serious threat to our ability to do so. These aren't newspapers, but they are websites created by private companies who are looking for clicks uh, to paint themselves as a legitimate news source. Executive Director of the Media Leadership Center at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, Rachel Davis Mercy, is also quoted in this article. She contrasted information with a perspective with advocacy journalism. So she doesn't want to go as far as to say this is fake news, but she'll say that it is information with a perspective. Uh, To her, transparency is the difference here. An organization's perspective should be obvious to online readers who might see the name of the outlet, but not make the effort to find and read its mission statement. So for instance, you know, New York Times, all the news that's fit to print, Washington Post, Democracy Dies in Darkness. Man, they really, that is happy Halloween. Uh, But you know uh, these major news outlets, you know that they are trusted sources uh, to you and your informed bias. But anyway, the point is these are not newspapers, right? And they are painting themselves as legitimate news sources. Uh, Rachel Davis Mercy goes on to say, the internet has created endless space for new groups to get into publishing. The onus of determining the difference between news and political messaging falls on the reader. She suggested readers be careful to review the source of information they read, a challenge when stories are delivered via social media feeds, and suggested reading as close to the original source as possible. Another note that I'd like to uh, make about this story is that in 2016, 17, and even 18, Sweden, Italy, and Spain dealt with very similar situations where far-right groups were creating fake websites and making them look like real newspapers to try to influence foreign elections there uh, within the country. So it's something that doesn't have precedence here in the United States, but uh, is certainly something to be mindful of. And I also think it's important for us to remember, uh, buyer beware. It is up to the user to understand where and what these news uh, sources are, basically. So I'm doing my level best to bring you news that is, well, it's biased by me. It's my podcast. What do you want? (laughs) Subscribe and share. Uh, Check us out on Facebook. But also, um, I'm trying to be very clear about where this news uh, comes from, uh, the the outlet that is putting out this news, uh, so that you're able to look it up. And so also check us out online for the articles that I quote in the podcast. But let's keep it moving right along. This from Monday, October 21st. Uh, as we talk about uh, political influence, right, and elections being... Uh, tainted, shall we say, by uh, political motives. Obviously, this in contrast to what is going on with the impeachment inquiry, but this now we're talking about news, news influencing voters and the election process. And here we have, again, from the 21st from NBC News, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook caught Russia and Iran trying to interfere in 2020 election. Yes, as I was saying earlier, Zuckerberg was in front of Congress this week talking about changes that Facebook has been making in acknowledgement of the issues surrounding the election uh, in 2016 in this country. The changes announced Monday center on the larger initiatives that Facebook launched in response to the 2016 U.S. election. After a Russian manipulation campaign was allowed to operate unchecked, no collusion. In the aftermath of the election, Zuckerberg said the notion that fake news influenced the election was, quote, crazy. Zuckerberg now embraces Facebook's responsibility to prevent foreign manipulation campaigns on its platform. Quote, there are a lot of effects. Obviously, one of the bad ones is nation states trying to interfere in our democracy. And that's one that we need to push back on. That's that's the Zucks. That's the Zucks. uh, That's that's the impression right now. So uh, leave us a comment, like and subscribe and share uh, about my impression of Mark Zuckerberg. Let let, let me know. Is a little too Kermit. I'm sensitive. So please be careful. Uh, But yeah, there's, uh, you know, Facebook is a thing. You know, it's so funny that, you know, Facebook being really criticized heavily this week about the way they handle and filter news. Um, You know, this is a technological advancement that no one could have seen coming, I'm sure, including Mark Zuckerberg in his uh, dorm room creating the, you know, the original Facebook where he was just trying to, you know, meet the ladies, honestly. Uh, I don't think he was thinking about Putin having a hand in in, uh, American elections. So there's a lot of responsibility here. Uh, It was good to see him in front of Congress, and it was also good to see uh, Congress people being a little more familiar with how Facebook works. I feel like the last couple times he went up on Capitol Hill, it was like, so what is, how do I tag myself? They don't really, they don't know how it works. So luckily AOC had something to say. We'll play that clip in a minute. But I wanted to point out before we get into the like uh, election uh, transparency stuff, uh, there's another article here from xbiz.com, Facebook and Instagram 
program target sex workers with updated community standards. Uh, this article basically talking about uh, Facebook's guidelines on sexual solicitation. Okay, so a lot of changes were made in uh, the past two to three years having to do with election interference, how ads are sponsored, and how they are credited to people who spend money on Facebook ads. Uh, but this, again, talking about the guidelines of sexual solicitation. So among the new things that could get someone's Instagram account flagged and or removed include the eggplant or peach emoji in conjunction with any statement referring to being horny Honest to God, it's the truth. I will give a, a, a link to the article about this. The second thing that can get you kicked off, nude pictures with digital alterations or emojis covering female nipples and buttocks. Don't forget, it's just the female nipples. Okay? Male nipples, fine. But you can't cover nipples with emojis. Okay? That'll get you kicked off Instagram. So weird. And the third thing, any mention of porn being available or any linking to pages offering adult material. That one makes sense. But I guess, you know, if they're being so focused on these uh, guidelines about sexual solicitation, surely they're paying extra close attention to white nationalism. Well, let's investigate that a little further, shall we? Facebook head and uh, human wax figure Mark Zuckerberg got a lot of press this week, as well as, um, you know, he, he was in front of Congress. He was written about a lot. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter specifically did an article uh, discussing uh, a presser that he did on Friday. It was kind of a Q&A session with reporters where he was interviewed by the head of News Corp. Uh, about this new Facebook news thing. And specifically, one of the one of the reporters uh, from the New York Times asked him why Breitbart is one of the outlets that's being a part of Facebook news. Uh, and he specifically said, you know, the head of Breitbart a few years ago specifically said that they were a platform for the alt-right, so there's no argument to be made there. So what do you make of this, Mark Zuckerberg? Why have you decided to choose Breitbart, a clearly alt-right, far-right media outlet, uh, to be part of Facebook news? And he literally began his answer with, well, I'm not going to talk about any specific outlet. Oh, okay, good. Well, the question was super specific, but I mean, I should give you a taste of what Facebook news is going to be like. But the quote from Mark Zuckerberg was, part of having this trusted source is that it needs to have a diversity of news in there. I think you want to have content that represents different perspectives. I mean, I would agree with that, right? Different perspectives in where you get your news is important. Uh, I, I actually really seek out uh, talking points that contradict stories that, that I agree with, just so I can not only understand the full argument, but make sure that I'm not being super biased about things. Uh, do you do that? Leave us a comment at News of Yesterday. But let's explore uh, oh, an example of one of the Breitbart uh, different perspectives, right? Um, Let's see. Let me just uh, go down. Oh, okay. Well, here's one from November of 2017, uh, where Breitbart aimed to discredit Roy Moore's accusers. You'll remember Roy Moore as the uh, guy who ran or for re-election as the senator of Alabama, um, and he was accused of very inappropriate sexual relationships with underage women, and it is documented by Axios here that uh, Breitbart put together a team, specifically Steve Bannon of Breitbart. Of course, you'll remember he kind of ran and, and conceived of the whole thing. So uh, that, this was his call. And again, from that article, Steve Bannon sent two of Breitbart's news top reporters, Matt Boyle and Aaron Klein, to Alabama. Their mission? To discredit the Washington Post's reporting on Roy Moore's alleged sexual misconduct with teenagers. So that's an example of one of the cool new perspectives that you will have on Facebook news. Don't listen to women who accuse. Uh, listen, now, if you think I'm being biased, this is documented, right? Like this, this happened. And we all know that Steve Bannon is, is a right wing nut job of the utmost proportion. And so I think uh, there are a lot of alarm bells to be rung that Breitbart is uh, being considered, really not considered, but included in the new Facebook news. Here's another little piece of that different perspective for you. Do you remember Cambridge Analytica? This was a big scandal having to do with Facebook. Um, well, Breitbart was one of the very first companies to sell their data to Cambridge Analytica. Uh, here is a quote from a report by the, uh, the United Kingdom, uh, the government of the United Kingdom, when they were talking about uh, Cambridge Analytica in the aftermath of that scandal. 
One of Cambridge Analytica's competitive advantages in the U.S. marketplace in 2016, and a key part of our pitch to Republican clients, was that we had secured exclusive rights to resell Breitbart engagement data. This meant that we had at least some access to what tens of millions of Americans were reading on Breitbart and could feed this data into our campaign models to help predict resonant issues and to influence behavior. Let's review that again. Uh, Resonant issues influence behavior right this data was pulled from breitbart and sold to cambridge analytica and again they wanted this data because they wanted to know what got people riled up what were the issues that got people upset that got them clicking liking sharing subscribing hey check us out at news of yesterday this cambridge analytica data scandal was a scandal because people's very private information was being sold and uh, then sold back to them to manipulate them, not only for a profit, but to also influence elections. This is why uh, it was such a big deal and so scandalous. Um, You know, it's funny, it actually came up uh, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was uh, sitting with Mark Zuckerberg on the Hill, on Capitol Hill this week, uh, and she specifically asked him uh, about that scandal and reminded us why it was important to remember. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, what year and month did you personally first become aware of Cambridge Analytica? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure of the exact time, but it was probably I, I, I do think I, I was aware of Cambridge Analytica as an entity earlier. Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't know if I was tracking how they were using Facebook specifically. When was the issue discussed with your board member Peter Thiel? Uh, Congresswoman, I don't, I don't know that often. You don't know. This was the largest data scandal with respect to your company that had catastrophic impacts on the 2016 election. You don't, you don't know. Well, Congresswoman, I'm sure we we discussed it after it, uh, after after we were, were aware of what happened. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a good reminder there. Uh, a nice encapsulation by AOC that. <clears throat> This information was sold by Cambridge Analytica to governments and political parties, really, uh, around the world, not in an effort to show people, you know, show what people like on Facebook, but to get into predictive behavior. You know, uh, everyone talks about, oh, it's so weird. I was talking about taking a trip to Tahiti and I got a pop up about a trip to Tahiti. That's predictive behavior. Uh, it's it's doubtful that microphones are on our devices at all times and there's someone like in real time listening to what we want and then programming a pop-up ad. But in actuality, what's happening is that there are models of predictive behavior. Uh, Amazon is investing heavily in this type of thing. Uh, and again, as our governments around the world. And so Cambridge Analytica wasn't selling Facebook data for fun to try to figure out what what color parka to sell you they were trying to figure out what issues motivated you to get to the voting booth or to stay home and that's really what we're talking about those are the stakes here and uh, also a reference to libra which is facebook's proposed currency i can't wait to see where that goes now i mentioned earlier that uh, steve bannon was the head of breitbart and i think that is really important to remember but um Here's a little more. This article from Vanity Fair in 2017, uh, the headline with Bannon back at Breitbart, a right-wing army prepares for war. Uh, Just pulling a quote here from Steve Bannon. I feel jacked up, Bannon told the Weekly Standard. Now I'm free. Got my hands back on my weapons. Someone said, it's Bannon the Barbarian. I am definitely going to crush the opposition. There's no doubt. I built a fucking machine at Breitbart, and now I'm about to go back. Knowing what I know... And we're about to rev that machine up and rev it up. We will do. And I think the implication there from Steve Bannon that his time in the White House taught him a lot about political operations. Uh, He had a platform for the alt-right. And now that platform is a part of Facebook News. So buyer beware, ladies and gentlemen. So what is how do I tag myself? Did you cancel your WAPO subscription on the president's orders? Have you ever been flagged for community standards violations on Instagram? Have you been called human scum? Let us know in the comments section at News of Yesterday on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And don't forget, leave us suggestions for stories you think we should cover, guests that you thought would make good interview content for the show. Let us know your suggestions because we want to hear it. Thank you to Dennis, the producer. Thank you, listener, for tuning in. I'm Pat Whalen. This is Yesterday's News. Come back tomorrow, and I'll talk about today.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.